Hello and welcome back to Deep Sleep with Light Novels. We're back with Death Note. Another note, the Los Angeles BB murder cases. Chapter 6, Failure. And at last, August 22nd, the day the man behind the Los Angeles BB murder cases was to be arrested. But we can say that because we have history to tell us, and like all historical events, when it was happening in real time, none of us of those involved knew that and the way events unfolded was hardly smooth sailing. In fact, Naomi Mr.'s day started with any number of inconsistencies and anxieties. 6.15 and 50 seconds. They had managed to read that as the message left behind by the killer at the third crime scene, but was that 6.15 in the morning or in the evening? After they had solved the clock puzzle, Misra had searched the scene all night looking for anything that said AM or PM. She found nothing. If we look this hard and found nothing, then maybe it doesn't really matter. Rizaka suggested. He's made the victim look like an analog clock rather than a digital one. So trying to find something to indicate AM or PM might be a waste of time. Yeah. Mizzo nodded. Regardless of whether this was true or not, they had assumed it was. She began to decipher the message both at 6.15.50 and 1815-50. The first scene had pointed at the Quarter Queen and the second scene to Glass Station, so what was the third scene pointing towards? Mizuru and Ryazaki both turned their energies towards the problem. But it was Ryazaki who first came up with something. 061550. The construction, a brutal number for a condominium. In Pasadena, in the valley, a massive complex. The size ranged from two bedrooms to four bedrooms, with over 200 condos and all. And an all-woman named Blackberry Brown lived in condo number 1313. Her initials were BB, and her condo number was 2. It must be her, Mizo said. All condo approval numbers began with zero, so there was no 181550. She had been worried about the AM or PM thing, but now they found their answer. She could relax. As Ryuzaki had said, with an analog clock, it really didn't matter. Mizo was greatly relieved, but Ryuzaki himself did not look very cheerful. Not that he ever did, but even so, he seemed particularly down. Something wrong, Ryuzaki? We finally found out what the kill is going to do and we can get ahead of him. We can lay a trap for him. We went to fourth murder and we're lucky catch a killer as well. Nah, no luck about it. We will catch him and catch him alive. Mizra, Rizaka said. The thing is, there's another candidate in the condo. Another BB, a man named Blue's Harp Baby Split, who lives alone in room 404. Oh. Two people with their target initials in a massive complex of 200 condos. Not everyone lived alone. There were any numbers of people with families. If you downplayed that number, there were easily four or 500 people. And simply, arithmetic suggested that one out of 676 people had the initials BB. It was not particularly surprising that there were two of them in the complex. It was statistically reasonable. But, Mizra said, no matter how you look at it, 
Room 1313 is our target. 13 is the code for B. Ryazaki, and 1313 is BB. The fourth murder. Judging from the number of dolls, the final murderer. What better location could the killer ask for? I suppose. I'm sure of it. I mean, 404? Certainly, 4 was 1 plus 3, which was B. But faced with a choice between 1313 and 404, the killer would undoubtedly choose the former. No matter who the killer was, Mizu was sure he would choose the former, but Ryuzaki apparently wasn't. Ryuzaki, do you know how rare it is for there to be even 13th floor or 13th room in America? They usually skip that number and I'm sure the killer would want to take advantage of that. In fact, he probably chose the building specifically because it did have a 13th floor. But remember, Mizra, the number of days between the murders. The cross puzzle reached the police station on July 22nd. The first murder happened 9 days later on July 31st. The second murder 4 days later on August 4th. And the third murder 9 days later on August 13th. And the fourth murder is to happen on August 22nd. That will be 9 days again. 9 days, 4 days, 9 days, 9 days. But why was it 9499 and not 9494? Even though 9 plus 4 is 13. Well, it was Mizer who had first pointed out that 9 and 4 were 13. But since nothing had happened on August 17th, she assumed it was a coincidence. She hadn't been able to find a connection between 17 and B. And it just had seemed like that big of a problem. Mr. had no idea why Rizak was bringing it up now. We have four, but three nines. It's so unbalanced. Yeah, but alternating was not alternating. Four nines should be viewed as a set, and the numbers as a series of 13. But that hasn't happened. This doesn't strike you as odd. But rune number 404 gave us three fours and three nines. Oh, was that what he meant? If it had been any room number other than 404, I would have agreed 100%. No, 200%. That fourth victim would be Blackberry Brown in room 1313. But since you have BB, Blue Heart Baby Split, there's a room with two fours in the number. I can't ignore that. Yeah, I agree. When you explain it like that, Mizu was starting to think that 404 was actually more likely. After all, she had been a little bothered by the gaps between the murders. Was it really okay to dismiss them as coincidences? Nothing had happened on the 17th, but that was after the fact. It had never really locked its place. But if the final murder was in room 404, it would take care of that lot better than room 1313. Mizu clicked her tongue. They hadn't been able to decide if the clock was AM or PM. And now that they found a good candidate for the final murder scene, there were two potential victims. All this work and the final piece refused to fall into place. It bothered her. She was sure they'd read the message correctly, but still doubt unremained. There was every chance this would lead to some decisive mistake. Oh, well, Rizaki said, 
without the split up. Fortunately, Mizra, we have each other. They might be working together, but nothing further. But this was not the time to point that out. One of us should weigh at each scene. You take room 1313, Mizra, and I'll take room 404. After all, Blackberry Brown is a woman, while Blue Heart Baby Split is a man. Seems like a natural arrangement. And do what exactly? Just as you said, Mizra. Lie and wait. Today or tomorrow, we should speak to Blackberry Brown and Blue's Heart Baby Split and get them to cooperate with our investigation. Obviously, we can't tell them that they're being targeted by a serial killer. If they know too much, the media might find out about what's happening and blow the whole thing. But they have the right to know and the right to live, which is more important. We will pay an appropriate fee and bar the room for the day. Pay? Yes, the simplest means. Fortunately, my patrons are providing me with an expense of funds deep enough to cover the charges. If we solve the crime, they'll be only too happy to pay. If there were only ordinary murders, this would never work. But these victims were only targeted because of their initials, and there is no real reason for them to die. Their murders only have meaning if they are killed in their own room, which that be 1313 or 404. So if we pretend to be them and wait in their rooms, we should be able to meet the killer. Obviously, just in case, we should have Blackberry Brown and Blue Shot Babyslit stay in a safe place all day on the 22nd, but drop in a luxury suite at a four-star hotel, for example. And then we... I see. Mizza put a hand to her mouth, thinking. Find the potential victim's cooperation center, fine. She didn't know who the patron was backing Rizaki, but she should be able to get the kind of funding herself if she asked L. Rizaki would become Bear Blue Heart Baby Split, and she would become Blackberry Brown. And we shouldn't call for the police but backup, right? Yes. We might be able to protect the victim's life, but the scale of cooperation would be too large. The killer would be more likely to escape and the deductions are not enough evidence to make the police take action anyway. Our reading of the killer's message is accurate, at 99% chance. But, however good it sounds, we have no proof, and they tell us it's all rootless speculation, we'd be done for. Rootless? With nothing to support it. She was pretty sure there was a different word for that, but he had a point. If she asked her boyfriend the FBI rape Ember, no, she couldn't do that. Misa was suspended, and she told Rizaki she was a detective. Her actions of the past week could get her in hot water if the agency found out. Even if she was really working for Elle, she couldn't exactly admit that in public. The killer is presumably working alone, but Rizaki, when it comes time to arrest him, there will be a struggle. Don't worry. I could take him one-on-one. -on -one. I may not look like it, but I am quite strong, and you're trained in Capria, right? Yeah, but... Mizza, can you use a gun? Uh, no, I, I can't. Can, but I don't have one. Then I shall prepare one. You should be armed. So far, this merely a detective war with the killer. But from here on, our lives are on the line. You should be ready for anything, Mizra.
Rizaki said, biting his thumbnail. And so, with any number of inconsistencies and anxieties, Nami Mizar spent the night in the hotel in West LA. She called L from her hotel room and asked him for a financial backing and to check up on all the evidence they have uncovered. She wondered if L would suggest that lying in wait was too dangerous and they should make the fairly safe potential victims their first priority. Wondering if he would oppose the strategy Rizaki had suggested. Whoever had hoped he would, but L seemed to be quite in favor of it. Mitra asked him two or three times if she could really trust Rizaki, but he said again that there was no harm in letting him proceed. But of course, by the 22nd, everything had would be resolved. Please, I owe me Mitra. L said, Whatever you do, please catch the killer. Whatever you do, whatever. Understood. Thank you. However, Mizrael, while it is true that we were unable to ask for help publicly from the police, I can supply some private backup. I plan to station a few individuals working directly for me in the area around the condominiums. They do not need any solid proof to activate. Of course, they will keep their distance. But. Okay, uh, sounds good. When our conversation with L was finished, it was past midnight. It was already August 21st. She would have to spend the entirety of October 22nd in Pasadena, which meant she had to arrive early on the evening of the 21st. With all that on her mind, she knew it would be a struggle, but she climbed into the hotel bed, hoping to get a good night's sleep. Wait, she murmured. As cobwebs formed over her mind, she murmured, Now, when did I tell Ryuzaki about Caprera. She didn't know. And there was one other thing she didn't know. Something she didn't even know she didn't know. Something that she was never to know. No matter what she did, she had no way of knowing that this killer, beyond birthday, could tell someone's name and time of death just by looking at their face. That he had been born with the eyes of a Shinigami. She had no way of knowing that fake names were useless with them. Completely and utterly pointless. How could she know? Even beyond birthdays himself could not explain how he had been born with the eyes of the Shinigami. How he could use them with no payment, with no arrangement. Neither Mizra nor L knew why, and obviously neither do I. The closest thing to an explanation I can offer is that there are Shinigami stupid enough to drop their notebooks in our world, so that there might well be Shinigami stupid enough to drop their eyes. Either way, it was completely absurd to expect humans who had no idea Shinigami existed to be on the lookout for their eyes. Even so, even with that in mind, she might have guessed. After all, B looks like 13. And 13 is the number of the tarot card named Death. And so, with any number of inconsistencies and anxieties and one significant failure, the story's climax arrives. Case study. I originally intended to keep this reason for Naomi Miser's leave of absence, which is effectively a suspension from duty. I owe these notes. I plan to remain vague about all the details if I could. I actually would stick to that plan, I mean. Like, 
I said before. She was the single greatest victim of the falloff in her whammy's house and intruding on her private. Or at least personal issues is something I am very reluctant to do, which is why I have casually avoided any specific mention of it so far. However, since now I find myself attempting to describe the look of Naomi's mistress's eyes as she grasped the gun Rizaki had given her in both hands, it was a strayer, void, infinity model. I can no longer skirt the issue. I can't just fast forward to the next scene without explaining the reason behind that look. That said, it's not a terrible, complicated story. Putting it simply as possible, the team she worked with had spent months secretly investigating and infiltrating a drug cartel, and she had blown the whole operation because at a critical juncture, she had been unable to pull the trigger. While she did not customarily carry a gun with her, it was a different on duty. Nor did she leave any intention of making pathetic excuses about not being able to shoot another human being. Naomi Mizo was a trained FBI agent. She did not imagine her hands were clean or that she was above such things. But she had not been able to pull the trigger. Her gun had been aimed at a child of only 13 years, which didn't in any way excuse it. The 13 or not, he was a dangerous criminal. But Naomi Mizra had let him get away in a secret investigation that many of her fellow agents had poured countless hours and unbelievable amount of work into ended with nothing to show for it. Everything was finished. They arrested no one, and while no one had died, there had been some agents injured so severely they might even never be able to return to active duty. Horrific results considering the efforts squandered. Despite her own weak position without the organization, the fact that she had only been forced to take a leave of absence was rather lenient. Naomi Mizra honestly did not know why she had been unable to pull the trigger. Perhaps she did not possess the proper self-awareness, the proper resolve that an FBI agent should have. Her boyfriend, Ray Pembert, had said, I guess you couldn't live up to your nickname, Naomi Massacre. Somewhere between sarcasm and trying to cheer up, but since she didn't understand it herself, she hasn't protested. But Naomi Mizra remembered. The moment she pointed the gun at him, the eyes that child had turned toward her, like he was staring at something he couldn't believe. Like the Grim Reaper had just appeared before him. Like it was absurd. He couldn't kill other people, but he had never imagined that he might be killed himself. But he should have known. He should have been ready to die the moment he first took a life. As any criminal would, as any FBI agent would, that threat hung over them all. She was part of the system. That child was part of the system too. Perhaps that had been weakened their resolve. Perhaps that had numbed them to their threat. Perhaps their fear had rusted over. But so what? Given that child's upbringing, he not only had no chance to reform, he never had a prayer of living right to begin with. What had not Mizra expected from someone like that? How cruel was it to her to have expected anything? She knew as well as anyone that child was living the only way he could. He had always been doomed, but did that mean he had to accept his fate? Was there only one way to live? One way to die? Was human life? Was human death all controlled by some unseen hand? Obviously, she harbored some resentment toward those who had used his failure as an excuse to expel her, but when she thought about the difference between the 13-year-old she had failed to shoot 
In the second victim in Los Angeles BB murder cases, Quarter Queen, she began to feel like the whole affair was ridiculous. Mrs. did not have a strong sense of justice. She did not believe herself to be ethically and morally superior. She did not approach work with any kind of philosophy. She was where she was because her entire life had been like walking through a town she didn't know. If she lived her life over again, she was sure she'd end up somewhere completely different. If someone asked her why she was working for the FBI, she would never be able to answer. She was good at it, but that came from her abilities, not her thoughts. What if the killer is a child? Mizra murmured despondently. Thirteen. Only thirteen. As she put the gun down beside herself, making sure the safety was on, next to her were a pair of handcuffs, also supplied by Rizaki intended for the killer. She was in the condominium 1313 where Blackberry Blue Round lived, a two-bedroom condo, and the only room with a thumb-turned lock was a room opposite the entrance. Nine floors below her. In condo 404, Rizaki was also watching for the killer to arrive, taking a blue-sharp baby split's place. He insisted he was strong, but he seemed so scrawny and hunched over that she found it hard to believe and was more than a little worried. He had seemed utterly confident when they had met before taking their places, but she had her doubts. At this stage of affairs, Mizra had absolutely no idea which room the killer, the man L, be called B, would come to, her to room 1313 or to Rizakin 404. She had been pondering the matter every second she could spare, but had honestly been unable to reach anything like a conclusion. As she was bugged by the AMPM thing, the third scene, but there was no point in worrying about that now. All that mattered was to convince herself that the killer was coming here to room 1313 to kill Blackberry Brown and then to act accordingly, she couldn't afford to waste time worrying about other people. Or she could have put it another way, B would come after her in L's place. She looked at the clock on the wall. The display showed 9am exactly. 9 hours worth of August 22nd had already passed. Only 15 hours remained. She was not going to get any sleep today. She would have to remain awake for at least 24 hours. She wasn't even allowed to take a bathroom break. Rizaki arrived her not to stretch her patience then. She needed to be able to react the moment someone entered the room. And now it was time to call Elle again. She took her phone out of her bag and dialed accordingly to instructions, making sure the door curtains were closed. Mizra, nothing's happened here. I spoke to Ryazaki earlier, but nothing has happened on his end either. Those ones do anything out of the ordinary. I'm sorry if you feel like we're in it for the long haul. I see. Don't let your guard down. As I said before, your backup is in position around the condominium. But if anything happens, they are close enough to respond immediately. I know. Additionally, a few minutes ago, I dispatched two people to the condo itself. I wasn't sure if they could be there in town, but while they were on the other side, we were lucky. Uh, but that means to avoid tripping off the killer, they not even put security cameras or bugs in the room, much less their building, and that applied to extra people as well. They couldn't risk being noticed. Don't worry, there's no chance the killer will notice. One of a professional infiltrator. Yeah, well, a professional trickster. I can't tell you more, since you're an FBI agent, but basically, a thief and a con man. I have posted near each room. 
A thief and a con man? What was he saying? Was this some kind of joke? So, Naomi Mizra. L said, wrapping up. But Mizra hastily stammered, Uh, um, L. But then she hesitated, not sure if she asked this or not. You know the killer, right? Yes, as I said, he is B. I don't mean like that. I mean, he's someone you know personally. On the 16th, L had said he'd known all along the killer was B, and she had sort of known ever since. But two days before, L had said something that changed her guess to conviction. Whatever you do, please catch the killer. The strangest greatest detective of L would never say that about some ordinary, indiscriminate serial killer. In a way, his name was just one letter long. Yes? The synthetic voice agreed, as if he didn't mind being asked at all. But, Naomi Mitra, please keep the industry's confidence. The back of my office station near the condo, the thief and karma inside have not been told what case they are working on. They're better off not knowing, since you asked. I don't mind telling you, but generally speaking, it was also something you were better off not knowing. I know either way whoever B is, he's a dangerous criminal who had cleaned the lives of three people for no good reason, but there's one thing I wanted to ask. What? You know the killer, but you have nothing to do with him. This was to Naomi Mizra. This was about to ask as thinking if you could pull the trigger on a child. I have nothing to do with him. L said. To be completely accurate, I do not even know B. He's simply someone I'm aware of. But none of this affects my judgment. Certainly, I am interested in this case, but I began to investigate because I knew who the killer was. But that did not alter the way I investigated it, or the manner in which my investigation proceeded. Now in Mizra, I cannot overlook evil. I cannot forgive it. It does not matter if I know the person who commits evil or not. I am only interested in justice. Only in justice, Mizar gasped. Then nothing else matters. I wouldn't say that, but it is not a priority. You won't forgive any evil, no matter what the evil is. I wouldn't say that, but it is not a priority. But like a thirteen-year-old, there are people who justice cannot save. Like a 13 year old criminal. They are. But even so. L said, his tone not changing at all, as if gently admonishing Naomi Mizra. Justice has more power than anything else. Power? By power, you mean. strength? No, I mean kindness. He said it so easily. Mizra almost dropped the phone. L. The century's greatest detective, L. The detective of justice, L. Who solved every case, no matter how difficult. I misunderstood you, L. Did you? Well, I'm glad we cleared that up. I'll go back to work now. Very well. She folded her phone and closed her eyes. Woo! She did not find herself spinning. She had just heard a word that sounded good to her. She had been told something she needed to hear. Perhaps she had just been manipulated. None of her problems had been solved.
Her confusion remained. She still lacked resolve. She felt like something had changed, but by tomorrow it would undoubtedly be back to normal. But even so, for the moment, she was not going to make a fast decision. She was not going to turn in her resignation. When her leave of absence ended, she would go back to the FBI. In that moment, Naomi Mizra made up her mind and the killer from this case might make a nice souvenir. So, in one hour, I have to call Riyazaki. Hope he's okay. Blackberry Brown and Blue Harp Baby Split, the two BB rooms, 1313 and room 404. Had there really been nothing in the third scene that could have eliminated one of them from consideration? She couldn't shake the idea that there had been. They had not been able to trim the possibility down all the way because they had not done everything they could. They had not done everything they should. Oh, I see. That's why QQ. She hit upon something. The reason why the second victim had been QQ, not BB. The reason she had turned the child over, turning B into Q, to prevent the possibility of there being someone else with the same name. The type of message left behind at the first scene. A message pointing not at the place, but at the victim's target. That kind of message always left the possibility of someone else with that name, which is why he had chosen QQ. Watch less common than BB. Quarter Queen. Miza had no idea how many other bleep bridesmaids or back end box slashes there were in Los Angeles, but she didn't know that the girl had been the only Quarter Queen, which meant they were right, and the link had been the B's, not the Q's. BB. Even though the killer had worked so hard to make sure the message could only be one person, why the following problem allowed for two candidates? She must have overlooked some critical piece of the puzzle. There must be something she should have done. The crossword puzzle. She had never tried it. Now she thought about it. There were any number of problems they had been putting off thinking about. No other problem in which room. If they caught the killer, then everything would be explained though. Or... The locked rooms. Did he really just have a key? In that case, he must have gone about his murders after preparing the key in advance. He must have investigated his victims of some time before the murders take place. They have done everything they could to avoid detection, but it was more than possible he knew Mesra was waiting here for him. A needle and thread locked room, and the needle ended up being a useful hint at the third scene. Even if it was just free association, needle, hand, clock hand, and she'd been surprised to find out that the word Ningyo had been practical meaning. The previous scene had suggested they were nothing but a metaphor for the victim, but they had been counted with the stuffed animals and the number of the four clock sides, so perhaps some of those stuffed animals didn't belong to the victim, so to make sure the numbers matched, seemed likely, four, three, two, the number of white Ninga was decreasing. The last one would appear in the fourth murder scene. If there was a fourth. The final Wari Ningyo, I assume would be placed directly opposite the door. Seems more likely. The most significant, but what's the significance? The first thing you should see when you step into the locked room catches your eye before you see the body. Without any clear idea what she was thinking, Mizo stood up and moved over to the door. Turning her back to the door, she looked around the room. It was just a room. 
Nothing out of the ordinary. At the moment, it wasn't even a crime scene. Nothing here but the signs of Blackberry Brown's life. Dory and Ning were always nailed at about the same height. The horizontal placement was about over the place, but the vertical was basically the same. About waist height on me, so about this high. Mazer crouched down. Naturally, this meant she was sitting in the same position, very like Rizaki's habitual knee hug, but she tried not to think about that. If he was right, and this did make deduction easier, then it was even a good thing. She was alone in the room anyway. Assuming the fourth scene would follow the rule and the Roy Ningya was to be placed opposite the door. Then from the position, her eyes would meet the dolls. Their sight line exactly the same height. Of course, Roy Ningyo had no eyes. And this wasn't getting anywhere. Just because they were mixing with the stuffed animals, there was no need for it to be opposite the door. If the placement is significant, the placement, or... Is it just another manifestation of his finicky nature? Ow! Thinking too hard in the awkward same position had caused her to lose her balance and thump back on her head on the doorknob. Wrapping the pain away, Mr. turned absently to look behind her and her eyes lit up upon the doorknob and just below it, the thumb turned lock. The latch. Mr. head snapped around so fast it made an audible whooshing sound. And she looked at the opposite wall again. There was nothing there but an unbroken stretch of wallpaper. And Mizra had just imagined a Warren Ningo hanging there. But as Warren Ningo nailed that the height was not opposite the door, it was opposite the doorknob. The doll was directly across the thumb turn lock. Oh, how did I not notice that? Waist height. She had known that was where the Warren Ningo were placed since she was first at the police file. At the first crime scene, when she turned the thumb to unlock, she had cautiously noticed that the grip was at her waist height. And the second scene, she had noticed that the design of the apartment door was different, but it was on the same construction. And the third scene, she had turned the knob and opened the door while balancing a serving tray on her belt buckle. It was easy enough to figure out what the warning and the thumb turn locks were at the same height. She didn't even need to open the file and compare measurements, but so what? So what if the warning were nailed to the wall at the same height that the door turned locks? And the warning were placed directly opposite the latch of said thumb turn locks. Was there some reason for that? She was headed for the answer. She should have not have healed for. She had reached the answer she should not reach. At this rate, she knew she should. And as it would overturn, uproot everything she had believed about this case, and she couldn't stop herself. She was past the point of being consciously capable of interrupting the deduction. Assuming that there was to be a warning in a place in that wall opposite the door at the fourth scene, proved by contradiction, four dolls, three, two, one. No, that doesn't make sense. That can't possibly be true. The locked room trick, the needle in the thread locked room, Danielle was at the third scene, and the thread, under the crack in the door, and the crack, the space, no space, tightly packed, a locked room. A locked room was usually created to make it look like the victim had committed suicide, but in this case, there was nothing like that, which meant if you flipped the idea, then the locked rooms existed to make a suicide look like a murder. What then? What then? Ugh.
In truth, all along Naomi Mizra had done nothing that Rizaki had not manipulated her into. There was no point now in going back as far as the similarities between Q and B they had discovered in the bookshelf message, but her conclusion about the day of the murder had changed shape dramatically while she was talking to Rizaki, and the notion that the third murder looked like a clock. Rizaki had led her to that from the moment she noticed the watch was missing. He had brought the wedding ring. He had pointed out that the head, arm, and leg were different lengths. He had suggested that the walls of the side of the clock. Nari Mizra was had been controlled as a puppet on the string. Oh, right. How did he know? But then last, Nari Mizra figured out something on her own. Truth. And justice. Ah! Completely forgetting all notions of how it presented itself, Mizra let out a howl that cracked the air around her. She jumped to her feet, left across the room, and grabbed her gun and handcuffs off the table and she spun around, lifted the thumb to her lock, and burst into room 1313. Elevator. No, not enough time. Emergency stairs. I'm going to detail the complex floor plan, which she had poured over the day before. Mizra headed for the emergency stairs, kicked up the door, and hurled down there three or four stairs at a time. Down. Nine floors down. Damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it. Why, 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 why? How can this be? It's so goddamn obvious. It pissed her off. Wasn't the truth supposed to set you free? When the truth revealed itself, weren't you supposed to feel better? But if this wasn't how things were, really were, then the century's great detective advised us solving every case imaginable. How great must his burden be? How much pain must he go through at every single moment, past, present, and future? A burden so great it would leave you hunched over, a bitter taste in your mouth that would leave you a longing for sweets. She was going so fast she almost missed her floor and had to break hard. She caused for a second to catch her breath, then opened the door and checked once more to make sure she was on the fourth floor. Which way, right? Left? The complex shipped halfway up and the corridors ran in different directions than the 13th floor. 417 was on her right and 418 beyond it. So, this way. Ah! Someone screamed. Mizra stiffened, but it was a woman's scream. She turned to look and the resident had apparently come out of her apartment and seen Mizra holding a gun. Distracting, Mizra stepped away from the resident, running down the hall towards 404. Rizaki! Right around the corner, she was there. The front door wasn't locked. She stepped inside. 1313 had a two bedroom, but this condo had three. One extra room. Which room? She had no time to think. She had to start with the nearest one. The first room. Wrong. No one's inside. Second room. The door wasn't open. A thumb to lock! Ryazaki! 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 She knocked. No, knock isn't strong enough. She pounded as if trying to break the door down, but it was sturdy and would not budge. There was no answer from inside. Rizaki did not answer. Ha! She half turned and kicked the doorknob with her heel. It stood a better chance than her fist, but the door wasn't breaking that easily. She kicked it again, just in case, but with no more success, Mizra aimed the gun. Infinity. Seven to cartridge plus one in the chamber. A45. She went right at the lock. I'm pulling the trigger! Once. Twice. She shot the lock. Thumb turned lock and the door that burst off. She threw the shoulder into the door and the first thing that hit her eyes was a wide nino nailed to the wall directly opposite the door. And next, she saw a man on fire 
in the corner away from the door, flailing her arms around, unable to stand in pain at the flame rolling across him. Riyazaki. It was Ru Riyazaki. She saw his eyes through the flame. Riyazaki! The heat was so intense she could barely look at it. The fire was spreading through the room. A blast of heat struck her skin. She smelled gasoline, strangulation, blunt force trauma, stabbing, and the final victim was fire. She glanced at the ceiling. There was a spark sprinkler, but it was obviously been tampered with. It wasn't functioning. The alarm had been disabled as well. Razor forced herself not to panic. Forced herself to take action. She pulled the back of the room floor. Back to the way she came. She got a fire stick out of the way. Just over. There. She grabbed and ran back. She didn't need to read the instructions. She pointed at the end of the hose to ball fire at Rurizaki's burning red and squeezed the handle hard. White foam sprayed out, cutting the room. Far stronger than she expected, she almost lost her balance. Almost fell over backward, but gritted teeth and held on, not letting the hose move off Rizaki. How long did it take? 10 seconds? About that. But Mizra felt like the day was going to end before he stopped burning. The fire standing sure was empty. The fire was out. White form began to subside, and in front of her, a black charred body. No, that was an understatement. Soft peddling it. A better description would be a red black mass of flesh. It looked like the flames had been burned all the way through. The smell of gasoline hung in the air, along with the smell of a burning hair and skin. Mizra covered her nose. She glanced toward the window, wondering if she should make a ventilation. No, she would. She couldn't risk a backdraft, as if afraid that any sudden move would cause his body to crumple. Mizu stepped gingerly toward Ryuzaki. He was curled up on his back. She knelt down beside him. Ryuzaki? She said. He didn't answer. Was he dead? Ryuzaki! Ugh. 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 Ryuzaki! He was alive. He was still alive. He was burned all over and needed serious medical attention immediately, but this came over as a relief. She heard a sound behind her and turned around. There was someone there, the woman who had screamed. When she saw Mizra with the gun, she must live here. She had heard the gunshots and the fire extinguisher and timidly come to see what happened. Did, did, did something happen? She said. Mizra thought that what happened would have been a bad question, but FBI, she said. FBI. She identified herself like that. Call the police, the fire department, and an ambulance. The woman looked surprised but nodded and left the room. Mizra wondered if, in fact, this woman was the thief or the con man that L had sent here, but she could worry about that later. She turned back to Rizaki, turned back to red and black charred body, and slowly took his wrist, still very hot, and checked his pulse. A little uneven and very weak. He might be done for. Might not make it to the hospital. Might not last until the ambulance arrived. In which case, she had something to tell him. She had something to do. Ryuzaki, she said, putting the handcuffs on her his wrist. I arrest you on suspicion of the murder of bleed bridesmaid, quarter queen, and backyard bomb slash. You do not have the right to remain silent, you do not have the right to an attorney, and you do not have the right to a fair trial. The Los Angeles BB serial killer, Ruriyazaki, beyond birthday, was in custody. End of chapter 6